0: I walked the entire city up and down all day long, and it was so comfortable.
1: With your cape and with these my- <laughs> crazy boots. Yes, he looks like Count. I
0: and I went know. to and I went to the Ritz, which is like the bougiest, you know, high class hotel in Paris. And was there awesome. I was with my boots and my cape, taking <laughs> videos. And just, it was very funny.
1: everybody this is tanya mcineer and you're with vintage picking with bad madge and we're here in san diego california and i am welcoming you to our second episode of our podcast And I would like to tell you a little bit about what we're going to be having in May. May 13th, we're going to have a Mother's Day event where mamas can come and stroll the South Park neighborhood. It's a fun event. You can have some champagne and do some shopping and enjoy our fabulous neighborhood in South Park, San Diego. So if you've never been to South Park, come on down, come and check us out. And I'm with my dear friend David Sosa. He is our guest again this episode. And welcome, David.
0: Thank you very much. Happy to be back.
1: Yeah, thanks for being with us. David and I have known each other over 20 years, and he's a fellow picker and a team member at Bad Madge. So we're going to start off with our weekly game. You ready to play, David? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, I'm doing true or false this week. Okay. So, true or false, um, we're going to do a little true or false fun facts for vintage fanatics. That's what I'm calling it. So, true or false, are all thrift stores, do all thrift stores get their items through donations? Hmm. What do we think,
0: David? Are you asking me? I'm asking okay. you. What do you I think? think it's, I think it's false.
1: Okay. Yes, it is. It is false. It is- Uh, Many thrift stores get their items through buying things. So depending on the type of thrift store, obviously like the Goodwill or Salvation Army, yes, they get most of their items through donations. But there are some privately owned thrift stores that buy storage lockers or buy um, leftovers at a store. So there's ways that they get their product uh, really cheap. Um, they might buy a container. So there are ways that other thrift stores do get their product, depending on the type of thrift store. Okay, second question. You ready? Okay. You ready? Uh, antique malls only sell antique items.
0: True. True or false? True.
1: Nope. False. False. <laughs> Um, The business has changed dramatically. Um, I think about a lot of um, antique stores and how they're really trying to adapt to a younger customer and getting that younger customer to come in. So they're probably carrying some vintage and we'll talk a little bit about the difference between vintage and antique, but they are definitely carrying uh, vintage items as well as antiques. Okay, last question, you ready? Yes. Okay, last question, true or false? An antique typically typically needs to be at least 100 years old.
0: True.
1: You got it. True. Yeah. That's the general definition in the antique world. So, you know, that's a way for us to go into our kind of our episode topic and letting people know a little bit more about definitions and how to kind of put an item in a category. So, yes, antiques typically are 100 years old. So we could think about that as like Edwardian, you know, that would be over a hundred years old. So anything that's over a hundred years old will fall in that antique, uh, definition. Okay. Then we would use maybe the definition of what we typically carry at our store is vintage and vintage is uh, 20 plus years old, 20 to 80 years, somewhere around there. And I can't believe I'm about to say this, but yes, the 90s are vintage. Yep. Because <laughs> we're talking 30 years ago. Every time I hear the 90s, I only think it's No, that. the beginning of Y2K
0: is vintage. It is. Because it's more than 20 years old. Isn't that so, yeah. crazy? Yeah. yeah. I and
1: mean, We're starting to even carry it's a nuts. little bit of that. yeah. Um, and then you hear a lot of times people will refer to mid-century. And if you're a purist, which... There are a lot of purists out there. The purists, uh, you know, really define the mid-century as 1950s and 1960s. Some people will even say mid-century could include like the 40s and even to the 70s. But, you know, if you're a purist, you're going to say 50s or 60s, 1950s, 1960s. So that's what most people like to say is mid-century. You might even hear, hear like mid-century modern,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: tends to be a more modern aesthetic. Mid-century can be 1950s, but it can even be like the grandma core that yeah. a lot of people are collecting now. Um, that's still mid-century, but it's not mid-century modern. Okay. Uh, modern tends to be a much more clean, sleek aesthetic. Uh, you know, people collect all kinds of things that are 1950s, but they may not fall into that modern category. And then you hear the uh, term retro. Do you know what retro means, David?
0: Yes. It bothers me that people don't and they always mix antique, vintage and retro and they think all three things mean the same, yeah, and, yeah. which I probably did when I was younger. Yeah. But retro is something that's new, but it's made to look vintage yeah. or made to look antique. Yes. But it's brand new.
1: It's brand new. You could buy it at, you know, West Elm or something like that. Um, So it definitely has a vintage or antique look, but it's newly made. Um, It usually doesn't have the quality that you would find in vintage or an antique. Uh, So that retro, you know, a lot of times like, you know, Mickey Mouse could have that retro vibe or something Mm -hmm. like that, Disney. Um, And then you hear a lot of people refer to collectibles. And collectibles don't always have inherent um, financial, um, you know, they could be like Beanie Babies. So like a lot coins, of people, yeah, stamps. coins, could, they could lose their value over time, depending on what it is. like, you know, some people maybe collected Beanie Babies when they first came out and there's a really good Beanie Baby um, uh, documentary, I think I saw it on either HBO or one of the streaming things uh, that showed how the Beanie Babies uh, took off and like, you know, really got crazy. Well, now Beanie Babies are... Making kind of a comeback a little bit. I mean, you go to the, you know, maybe a swap meet or, you know, you might see a huge bag at the thrift store and there might be one or two in there that could be valuable, but you got to take the time to look them up.
0: I was a sucker for those. Were you? I, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when they came out, I was like, I'm going to be a millionaire when I'm old. I'm going to have so many. Yeah. And then my mom took care of getting rid of them, which I was very upset.
1: Well, where are, where are they now? They're probably...
0: I'm somewhere. They're somebody somewhere. has them.
1: Hopefully they went home to somebody.
0: Somebody has my millions. <laughs> All
1: your so millions. I have
0: a random question. Yes. <clears throat> if something is made today yes. and it's retro in 20 years, will that be considered vintage?
1: Well, I guess so, right? <laughs> I mean, based on our definition, it, yeah. Um, I think that's the... That's the problem is like a lot of things are reinvented. So, yeah, I guess that, I mean, maybe our, our, our listeners can tell us what they think. But I do
0: think the difference is if right now you buy something crappy, <laughs> it won't last 20 years. No, so, like, even, not. you know, it's just not going to be around. It's right. going you know, the clothing nowadays, most of the clothing is so cheap. Yeah, It's not going to last 20 years. Most of the furniture, if you're buying furniture from, you know, Cheap stores, I don't want to name names, but it's definitely not going to last 20 years. Exactly. So like, even if it would become vintage, it's probably not going to be around.
1: Yeah, it probably won't last. I mean, we were talking about that yesterday as we were <laughs> running to an appointment. Um, you know, Charlotte Russe. some of our listeners might know the brand Charlotte Russe. I don't think they're around anymore. I think they went under. And um, we did fashion shows for mm-hmm. them uh, back in, was it the late 90s, I want to say? Late 90s, late, early, early 2000s. 2000s. Yeah. And I was their fashion show producer. And, you know, the Charlotte Russe was kind of the early... Precursor to fast fashion, mm-hmm. you know. In the mall, you'd go in and it was like really, it was fun and really trendy fashion. But they were made better than like today. If you go into H and M, like you were saying in the carbs, like made like paper.
0: It, the fabric is are terrible. The seams are bad. It's just not. It's made to be worn. There's just no pockets in
1: women's pants. Like you know, they're
0: <laughs> if really... you wash it, it's probably not going to make it. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's bad. And yeah. the, the the quote unquote <laughs> inexpensive or cheap clothing in the 90s was still actual fab like they didn't the technology that invented all these cheapy fabrics now just didn't exist before so yeah. even though they were quote unquote cheaper it was still actual usually cotton i mean poly blends or whatever but it was way better than yeah the crap that they sell now
1: yeah there's a a new store that opened up i don't know the name of it in, in mission valley here in san diego that is focusing on y2k clothing and like contempo and and charlotte russe and wet seal that's all making such a comeback but it's still around because it was be- made mm-hmm. better. I mean, now you buy, you know, a, a top maybe at a at a fast fashion company, and it might not last three wearings. No. You know, it's, it's meant to really go away. So that's, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I was attracted to vintage, and I think why a lot of people are attracted to vintage, is it's made so much better. Um, and that's sort of, you know, our... Our transition into what our main topic is today about sourcing things for your own personal use. Our podcast is focused mostly on the consumer. We're not teaching you how to be a picker, we are teaching you how to be a consumer and to find resources that are good for you and what you're looking for and where to find them in your community. Uh, Maybe you don't want to spend the time like we do on picking and finding things you want to go to a place that already has the item ready to go and you can wear it or put it in your home, give it away as a gift, whatever you're, you know, planning on why you're buying it. So we're going to talk about where do you find things. Like, where do you, if you are a shopper, you're buying something as a consumer, where do you like to shop? So, let's, uh, David, where do you like to shop? If you were buying something for yourself, which you do, you go and buy things for yourself, um, where do you like to find things?
0: I like the hunt. So, I definitely enjoy a good trashy thrift store, um, a flea market. I personally don't go to estate sales a lot, like me, myself alone, because it's just a madness and you know the best items will be gone in two seconds and you have to really be ready to fight and get up at 5 a.m and i'm not interested that much yeah um so flea markets and thrift stores are my favorite thing honestly sometimes on the internet offer up or whatever but even then it's like i like to be able to touch it yeah and feel it and see you know so it's it's more i like the hunt yeah definitely but also when i'm traveling um I like going into vintage stores all over the world. I just went to Paris no, and I went to Paris. Yeah. So I went to Paris and I was walking around to an appointment, running a little late, and I bumped into <laughs> some vintage stores and I was like, yeah, I'm going to be really late because I can't. <laughs> and I and I walked in and they're really cool and they're just like one of them was like horribly trashy and dirty and just very bad, but they had cool stuff. The other one was perfectly sourced it was clean. Things were separated, you know, by what they are. You know, sweaters were over here and jackets were over there. So super and curated. It was super curated. It was really well done. It was very well priced, very fair, you know, honest prices. And they sold everything from records to they didn't have furniture, but they had accessories, whatever. And it is amazing because it's so well sourced. That I didn't. That to me, that's not a treasure hunt because I was really looking for like a jacket or a, a sweater. And tell people what you bought. And I bought a cape, a, giga- a gigantic, like wizard cape. <laughs> it's like military green, and it was awesome. And it just got so many people talking. Oh um, my god!
1: It, so it, tell people your Instagram so they can see it if they want to go see it. My Instagram, if you want
0: to go laugh at my cape. It's <laughs> it's at Sousa David, Souza David S O U Z A David, and this cape. I mean, I loved it because it's just funky and it's unique and whatever. But it's also, like, once I actually bought it and started walking around, it is the most comfortable thing. It just kept me warm. The quality is amazing. So it really just reminds me, every time I buy something like that, that the the quality that I'm paying for is, like, this piece is probably 40 or 50 years old. And it's still super, you know, in great condition. And it was amazing. So I love... As a shopper, I do like sometimes to go to a vintage store that did the sourcing for me, did the cleaning, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't have to spend some days I'm ready and I'm dressed, you know, in my horrible, you know, sweats so that I can go to a flea market or a vintage store and get dirty and get my hands all up in there. Um, but when you go to a vintage shop It's really nice Because you're paying for that service You're paying for mm-hmm. They cleaned it for you They sourced it You know It's a nice store And the whole ambiance Also helps you get in the mood mm-hmm. So Yeah
1: mm-hmm. So You paired your cape With What?
0: <laughs> with <laughs> With these Fishermen um, <laughs> As you can fishermen. tell by his yeah. By
1: his response My
0: um, these fisherman boots that I bought at a thrift store that I did have to hunt for and get dirty for, uh, when I was like 15, I bought these boots. Um, and they're,
1: tri- tri- they're literally fishermen waiters.
0: Yeah. They, they're hysterical. They go all the way up to my, Thighs. almost to my butt. Like they're, they're just <laughs> like super long. And I just think they're awesome and I ended up wearing them and it did kind of rain and it was cold so they did serve a purpose. I wasn't fishing per se but um, they were really cool. They did get a lot of funny little reactions. But it's nice because again I've had those boots for like really. About twenty years now.
1: I've never seen you and, wear them.
0: Yeah, I wear them like once every two or three years. It's, you can't wear them. I don't know, but you to said me, they it's they also really special. They're so comfortable. I had never worn them to walk. I walked all over Paris. There, there was a strike that day, so I literally walked. The, there, there was no subway. No, I walked the entire city up and down all day long, and they were so comfortable.
1: With your cape and these t- <laughs> crazy boots. <laughs> yes, he looks like Count. I and I went know. to
0: and I went to the Ritz. Which is like the bougiest, you know... High-class hotel in Paris. And was there awesome. I was with my boots and my cape taking <laughs> videos. And just, it was very funny.
1: And please yeah. go, if you're listening, if you're one of our new, our <laughs> listeners, please go to his Instagram. Because I watched the footage, I, I don't know, at least 20 times. Because <laughs> it's so, I think the one thing that has always um, drawn me to like vintage and, and, you know, anything that's like has sort of a story. And I think that's what you kind of created with this whole outfit is a story. Mm-hmm. Like, it it became a persona of you for that day. And, you know, when you're looking for something for yourself or for your home, you have your own style. And some people, you know, maybe don't feel as creative. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're a little more analytical you know, and they don't really feel like they have the necessary necessary um, ability to choose things. So that's why a store like ours really helps people find things that fit their story. So if you' you really want an experience, a vintage curated store will do that for you. Mm-hmm. And you know, obviously, we find a lot of joy in connecting an item, to a customer when they leave and they go home so happy and excited so we have this customer her name's kelly and she comes in and she's a she loves vintage she loves 50s and she's just this darling woman and she's tiny so a lot of things really fit her well and i I kid you not when she comes in and she tries on dresses um recently she bought this sort of um sort of soft green 1950s cocktail dress and we were all ooing and aahing over her and just it was like this whole experience for us as well as her oh
0: she transforms when she puts she it on really, she's like she's, Audrey Hepburn she's she really like, is yeah she's twirling and walking around and it's just
1: really fun because you know that she's gonna go home so incredibly happy And then she goes and she takes pictures and tags us. So it's like this joy just continues. And, you know, you hear all these people, oh, don't spend your money on things. Buy, you know, experiences. Well, let me tell you, I recently listened to another podcast, Hidden Brain, and they did a study on how long that joy stays with you. So when you do buy something, the joy of that item stays with you much longer than just the experience of something. So, you know, going to a concert. Obviously, that experience itself for that time you're at the concert has joy. But how long do you really experience that joy afterwards? Maybe if you talk about it a little bit. But it wanes over time. Let me tell you, the chairs that I have here in my living room, because we're uh, taping this at my house, I love those chairs. And every day I see them. They bring me joy mm-hmm. not only did i get them from a friend and they're vintage from the 60s but i had them refinished and they look amazing and they're colorful they're orange they swivel i love sitting in them so that joy just continues and so when you buy something that has a beautiful aesthetic it, it fits your life whether it's a garment or in your home it's something that carries for a long time. like in your home, you've got a lot of things from your grandmother.
0: My home is basically a museum of like or a mausoleum, like a like a throne, a shrine to my grandma, my grandpa, my great grandmother, who I never even met. <laughs> yeah. But I know that these things used to belong to her, and it it definitely affects my mood. a hundred percent to walk yeah. into my living room and see all these things that I grew up seeing. In other, you know, in my grandma's house and now they're in my house. And it, I, to me, it definitely affects my, my mood. Mm-hmm. And with clothing, like what you said about that cape, it's like you kind of transform. And for me, it is emotional. And I be, I behave differently mm-hmm. if I'm wearing pajamas <laughs> than if I'm wearing a tuxedo than if, I, you know, I just my attitude changes. And another thing that I think is really cool is that I wasn't trying to appear, you know, rich by wearing this cape by all means <laughs> no. but because it is high quality and it's very special you also what i'm saying is if you don't have enough money to go buy super expensive clothes at a brand new you know a boutique yeah. or uh, nordstrom's or whatever if you go to a vintage shop you can find amazing cashmere sweaters or minks or you know a, a suit and, and and you can look the part if you're going to a job interview if you work at a bank if it, wh- whatever you do you can really wear things that are high quality and high taste at a, a fraction. very fraction of the price yeah. that you would pay for brand new. And the thing is, and this is what most people don't understand, is it's probably worth more than if you buy it brand new right now at a mm-hmm. store. Because the quality that they had in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s, the quality that they had making clothes is, was so much better than nowadays. So even if it's vintage, it is what, better made and probably is still going to last longer yeah. than something brand new.
1: Yeah. And
0: so, it's more special. So you
1: talked about thrift. Yes. And I passionately hate thrifting. Ooh. I don't like it. <laughs> I am not a thrifter. I will do it if, you know, Matt, one of our team members, he's like, let's go to the thrift store. Okay, I'll do that. And I typically go to the furniture section and look at the furniture and he's pulling shit out that I'm like how did he see that like I don't have I guess that I I prefer a totally different kind of pick I prefer more of a private pick so that's a little bit more where we where I tend to source things but you know a lot of kids now are, are thrifting and I know a lot of other pickers thrift so thrifting has become, you know, it always was, you know, popular, but there's always these like ebb and flows of thrifting and it's really popular right now. So what do you like about thrifting?
0: I like the hunt and I like searching, you know, around through crap. <laughs> and
1: I hate that.
0: <laughs> and and the prices, obviously, you pay a lot less if you buy it at a thrift store because you're you're, you're having to do the work. You have to search for it. It's probably going to be right. really dirty. You're going to have to clean it, etc. There's, et a, lot steps there's a lot of crap. You know, for one good outfit, there's like a hundred other you know pieces of crap right. hanging next to it. Um, so I like that. The thing that I don't—it's not that I don't like it. It's I, for example, jewelry. I can't spot a necklace at a thrift store and know if it's worth ten dollars yeah. or a hundred dollars. Yeah. I have no idea. Don't have that. When line, you go to a vintage store, they have it sourced and yeah. they, you know, they'll know. So they might sell it to you for ten dollars if it's that's what it's worth, or they might sell it for a hundred, and at least you know you're buying quality sure. or not you know yeah. if you're looking for things like that um some people my my nieces love thrifting and they just get excited and they're not it's not that they're looking for quality but sometimes they'll buy something thinking it's leather and it's not it's yeah. said, so it looks like leather know, but yeah. they, so they don't know they don't know how to look for the the right fabrics or right. the right jewelry etc uh they're learning um so i do like the vin- vin- thrift stores because sometimes the thrift store itself doesn't know what they're selling and you might find a piece of pottery or a piece of Pyrex or something way cheaper than what but it's worth. But
1: here's the thing. You might have to hit, and I hear this a lot, oh, yeah. like Emily, a million. You know, Emily <laughs> one of our pickers, she will go to 20 thrift stores and she might have, you know, a completely just bust day. And she spent her whole day going from thrift store to thrift store I mean, Emily's got a freaking good eye. So she, and she's also incredibly uh, curated. So she looks for a very specific thing. That takes a lot of time. So when you go to a vintage store or, say, an antique mall or, you know, a consignment um, with multiple booths, like for instance, Kurt Street, the, the Kurt Street Vintage, they have multiple vendors. When you go there, you're going to have the Work done for you, and so if you're looking for, say, a rattan sofa, you're more likely to find it at a consignment place like Kurt Street than if you try to hit 20 thrift stores, and
0: you'll find it in good condition. You know, it's either been cleaned, restored, sanded, you know, the fabric has been yes, changed or whatever.
1: Yes, and
0: it's ready to go to your house.
1: So, I think you know what, for our consumers, our people, our, our listeners. I think you have to decide, okay, what is it I'm looking for? Maybe you have a particular thing that you're looking for. Maybe it's something for your house. Or maybe you need a dress for a special event or something like that. Which we get a lot of customers that come in and looking for a particular thing. If we don't have it, we have a customer want list. We do find things for customers regularly. Um, We have a customer that likes creepy clown stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And he... Wants us to call him or send him a picture. I'll text him a picture of whatever creepy clown crap I found. And he is there in a minute. He loves his creepy... I can't imagine what the room looks like with all this creepy clown clown stuff. But more power to this guy. He's got his thing. He He knows what he wants. He knows what he wants. He's a collector of whatever it is. And I know for you, like... Uh, Tara and Hobby, some of our a couple of our regular customers. Yeah, Tara loves small little figurines or owls, owls and I've seen you run yeah. down the street after yeah. them to show them something. And that's really what a small store like us—we have such a customer service-driven model, business model that we provide. That hey, we know what you're looking for; we can help you find it, kind of thing. And I've always had this, um, you know business practice of if i don't have it i'm going to refer the customer to another store that i think might have it and i think that's a big part of why people shop in small boutiques because we can help them find the right uh store venue that will have that item um you know if somebody comes in and i don't have something you know recently a customer came in and was looking for a cocktail dress and i didn't have her size And I referred her to the Girl Can't Help It. So I know that, you know, the Girl Can't Help It may have what she's looking for. I can't promise that, obviously, because I don't know their inventory. But I have a pretty good idea of generally what they carry. So that is a big part of why we shop in small boutiques is that we might get a much better customer service experience. Um, So then there's other places like, you know, online, you know, follow some of your favorite vintage stores or see you know who else is in that bracket maybe you have a certain budget that you're trying to you know fit in like maybe you're looking for a new credenza or a new dresser for your home and you have a budget you know maybe you can only spend five hundred dollars well there's certain stores that will carry that item in that budget range and then there's other stores that don't you know we're kind of in the middle You know, I wouldn't say we're high end, but I also wouldn't say we're super low end. So we are kind of in the middle. You know, we're, I think, I feel like we are, a lot of our customers come in and maybe they're, you know, finally moving on from Ikea and they want something a little better made and they're looking, maybe they've finished with college and they're looking to put something new in their home. They want something aesthetically mid century and they want something better quality made better. So they're willing to spend a little bit more, but they don't have the two thousand dollar budget for a credenza, you know. That ours is more going to be maybe five to seven hundred dollars. So that I think knowing what you're, what you can spend, that helps obviously determine where you're going to buy something. Um, there's some really great, you know, um, Instagram uh, shops, I guess you could say, or brands on Instagram. That's a good place to start looking, you know, in your area. And then there's also a lot of Instagram or even Etsy or eBay uh, brands that ship. You know, you can have something ship. Honestly, I don't like to buy vintage clothing online because I want to try it on. Uh, I mean, I'm 55. Things are going to fit differently. And also when you're buying something uh, that's vintage, especially like 50s and 60s, for women's clothing especially, women wore... Shapers. They wore different types of bras. Their lingerie was very different than what we have now. Um, I can't even wear an underwear wire bra anymore because it's so uncomfortable. You know, it's just like, who wants to wear that? But back in the day, women wore much more shaper type of garments. Um, One of my favorite shows is The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And there's scenes where she's in her little, you know, undergarments. And you can see how the garment, the fashion, fit differently because of the underwear. Mm Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind when you're shopping, um, especially if you're looking for maybe a vintage cocktail dress or something like that. It's going to fit differently based on the type of undergarments that you wear. So a lot of these vintage stores know that and can help you. Um, it's also a good idea if you're looking for vintage clothing to know your measurements. So if you're going to go into a store and you're looking for, say, a cocktail dress, know your bust, your waist, and your hip. That's going to help a lot because the vintage stores, like ours, and you know other uh, boutiques that carry maybe cocktail dresses. They really don't want you to try on 20 dresses because the garments are very delicate. They want you to pick out the one that they, you know, they say, okay, this is in your size, you can try this on. I know some stores, you know, have certain thing, you know, protocols of like, hey, you know, unless you're really serious, we don't want you trying on things because those garments are delicate. You know, they're more expensive. We wanna make sure that the garment is gonna fit you. It's not like, you know, you're going into Walmart and you're just trying on like sportswear. It's a totally different experience. So there's also that customer service part of it is if a customer comes in and they're not sure their sizes, I am more than happy to measure them. Again, it's that customer service experience of when you're working with a boutique like ours. Um, you know, Instagram is a good place. Like uh, I have a good friend. Her name is uh, Amanda. And she has an amazing Instagram. Uh, Butch Wax Vintage. I'll give her a little shout out. And she sells incredibly curated fashion she's very good at what she does and you know her prices are going to reflect that you know the price point is higher and she does sell some things on her website but she does some amazing things on instagram she has a very good eye she knows fashion very well so she is going to show the best pieces on her instagram and sell them through instagram so that's another way to find product um so where are some of the other places that you like to maybe like refer our customers our listeners to maybe like markets i know well talk about the radios that you bought so you bought them oh yes it, so tell them about the radios that you bought you were in mexico so city, there's this right? flea
0: market in mexico city it's been around forever What's i started going when i was 13 la lagunilla La lagunilla. there's no real translation for <laughs> what it means um it's kind of like a lake-ish well anyways um they've been there forever it's only on sundays it's only on sundays um the entire day and these people go all out they bring all kinds of crazy stuff and it's funny because again i started going when i was 13 and it was very much antique stuff like some mid-century but it was mostly even older stuff which i loved and then now again i see things from the 90s from a lot of 80s which is really cool because it reminds me of you know when i was a little kid um But these people really set up their shop and it's just full of crap and stuff. But it's still, you know, still kind of dirty. It's not very curated. Um, But what's funny is the prices are going way up because Mexico City is full of Americans and Europeans now. Like, full. So, and they have kind of driven the prices up. But I went to this guy who only his booth is literally just radios, which is really cool. Yeah, it's just radios. And he fixes them all. So they all work. And he knows this. He knows his stuff. Like he knows about radios. So it's really cool because I fa- I saw these two really rad radios, um, and I bought them from him. But he knows the story, the you know everything about that brand, the maker, why the everything. So it was really interesting That's to cool ask him, to all the, to all all him all the all the questions. Yeah. So
1: you bought a radio. It was a small portable radio. Yes. It was like orange. It was probably I'm going to guess it was from the 50s. Yes. And it David brought it back to the shop, we put it in the store. And um, it was on our Instagram, we posted it on our Instagram. And there was a gentleman who is a radio aficionado. He's a collector, and he lives in Canada. And he reached out and said, I really like that radio. I said, Okay, let me make sure you know, because I don't want to ship it. Unless I make sure it one first off, of course, it works. And, you know, I want to make sure that it can get to him and still be working. So I did a little video for him and showed him, yes, it works. It, you know, does, you know, sound, everything's working. And I packaged it up, and it's now on its way to Canada. Wow. So it came from Mexico City.
0: Wow. <laughs> via San
1: Diego in our store, and now is heading to Canada to a collector. And he, I I, I can't wait to hear back from him to see, you know, like he's going to add it to his collection. Honestly, that makes me so happy because we have now provided this service to a customer that is a collector, and, you know, you found it. It's touched all these people, and it's this economic engine, and that's why we exist. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, maybe this guy works full-time. He may not have time to, you know, scour all the thrift stores and uh, flea markets and things like that. You know, you're willing to pay a little bit more so that the item, you know it works, it's coming to your collection, and this person is so happy.
0: And even if you have time to search, I've met people that are like, I've been looking for this specific Pyrex or this specific radio for five years, yeah. and they look and they have alarms yes. on their eBay's and their yes. Amazon. Like they they are doing all the work yes. to find it, but it's not that easy to find sometimes. Yeah. And it's or or they exist, but people are not selling them. They yeah. you know. So it's really rad to be able to know that you found this one piece that somebody wants and loves so much and yeah. is in their house and like you said this guy in mexico city bought it from someone so that person made money then i bought it from him he made money then i made money then, made money, then you made money so it's like <laughs> it's really cool it's yeah. the whole
1: all the people that touched it yeah. and you know who knows maybe this guy's gonna sell it i don't know you know and it, it it's the the sourcing of things obviously for us as a re, as a retailer you know we're buying things as, at wholesale what we we call wholesale um, you know as a retailer we have to buy things that we can flip so you know if you are listening and you're one of our listeners and you're you've got items and you're looking you know maybe you're downsizing or maybe you have like i have a customer her name's D and she had all kinds of pyrex i mean she just had so much pyrex and her husband said hey i need to be able to get our second car in the garage you have got to get rid of some <sighs> of this stuff so i she reached out to me and she said i'm going to i've been you know she has spent hundreds and hundreds of hours scouring thrift stores and has uh, you know uh, created this amazing collection of Pyrex but she has nowhere to put it she knows she's not going to get retail price from me because I've got to mark it up so she sold me I think I ended up buying god maybe 50 pieces and this past weekend we had a Pyrex pop-up and that you know that that flux of all these great Pyrex made so many people happy that bought some pieces. So that money that she spent at a thrift store that experience that she found it but she spent all this time you know finding these items and now it came to me we you know i looked them up so that's part of what we do is we research an item you know some things i know right away okay this is what it's worth but there is a lot of research that goes into pricing something you know i have to do a lot of footwork to one maybe clean it you know, any kind of repairs. I have my repair person coming over today to drop off all these clothes that needed repairs, a button, you know. If you don't have the time to like re-put a button on something or maybe the seam needed repairing, you don't know how to sew. We do all that for you. So that's that's part of the the price you pay to shop in a small store. And maybe you just don't have the time to be, you know, spending hundreds of hours to look for something. We do that work for you. So also that experience of coming into Bad Madge and having, you know, a a glass of lemonade with us and looking around and that exploratory experience of being in the store and looking at all the cool things we have, you know, found. I hear it a lot. Oh, it's like my grandmother's house, you know, like a lot of things they see, you know, or, you know, sometimes we'll have young, younger customers come in and they're just, their eyes are so big and they don't even know what to say because they're so like mesmerized by all the stuff in here. Um, we. We have a customer that's been coming in. I think she was probably, I don't know, maybe five when her mom first started bringing her in. And, you know, they've been coming in since we first opened, and we've just celebrated our 12 year anniversary. So she's now about, I think, I want to say she's at least 17. Um, She loves our store. But she has a little allowance. She might do some household chores and get a little allowance. And she brings her allowance in almost every week. Um, Her name's Chloe. And she just comes in and she'll maybe buy a little necklace. Or she saves her money and buys a new, you know, cool vintage t-shirt or something. And it just, she she said, Bad Match is my favorite store. So here's this 17-year-old girl who's now you know, determined that Bad Match is her favorite store. That makes me happy because we see that these young kids are discovering vintage and realizing the aesthetic value of it and also the intrinsic value of the joy of it. It's just, it, it's keeping that, that love of vintage alive.
0: And what's really cool for me sometimes is when I hear, I like listening to people, like, see what they say when they walk into the store. And the older, you know, customers come in and they're like oh this reminds me of my mother yeah. you know sometimes yeah. my grandmother usually it's just their mother yeah yeah um but then i see these y2k kids and they either say this reminds me of my grandmother yeah. or they say what is this like yeah. i've never <laughs> seen yeah. this what is I it love that and which is really cool they have no clue what it is or who sometimes it's like you know there was a, a t-shirt of britney spears it sold pretty fast but i saw two kids who saw it and they were like who's that like they literally <laughs> have no idea who that is <laughs> So it's really... (laughs) I love the clash of generational, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. stories that we have at the store, which is really cool. One thing that I think is really important is that you said is if someone is selling... If you guys listening out there, if you want to sell your stuff, you either have to sell it on your own online and then price it, you know, however you want, but it takes... You have to take the photos. You have to post it. You have to answer the millions of, you know, phone, uh, sorry, emails, questions and scammers. But questions of like, how old is it? What does it look like? When can I pick it up? It takes a a long time. Or you sell it to a vintage shop, but they're not going to pay you. That retail. No, because they have to sell it. And you have to understand if you're selling it to a vintage shop, they have to make a markup so that they can pay for their employees, for their lights and their gas and their insurance and the you know the, rent and, the rent and everything. So just keep that in mind because I do see people going to a vintage shop trying to sell a mink coat for $200 and the store is going to sell it for $200. So mm-hmm. obviously that's not going to happen.
1: Right. So and I think, you know, finding brands that fit your particular aesthetic, whether it's, you know, Brian, he's one of my our good friends and he loves 70s. But he also has like a kind of a guy vibe for the 70s stuff. Yes. And, you know, if you follow his Instagram, it's Oats General. He's got such a good eye. And it's always exciting to kind of see, like, what is he going to post? And stuff goes fast. You know, he'll do like a little video or something. And, you know, he's got uh, several booths in San Diego. And, you know, he works really hard finding good stuff. And, um, you know, I think that's a big part of why you want to support these smaller brands is because they work really, really hard to find cool stuff. It's their job. It's our job to find you really cool stuff that you're going to take home and and enjoy. So, you know, maybe you're looking for, you know, 70s or maybe you're looking for mid-century, you know, depending on where you live in the country um, or where you live in the world, you you know, there's going to be stores near you or brands that you can follow on Instagram or find on eBay, you know, finding out what your aesthetic or what your style is, is part of that too, like exploring those brands. So... We're going to start to wrap it up here, but I wanted to talk about one of my, like, stories. And um, David already talked about his story about the radios. But I wanted to talk about one of the things that, you know, makes Bad Madge special and why you want to shop at a brand like ours is, you know, I, I don't know. It's been maybe about six months. A very nice lady, her name's Rita, contacted me, and she was dealing with her aunt's Aunt Esther, Aunt Esther's estate. And her Aunt Esther was an entertainer and she had an entire garage full of racks of clothing from vintage clothing. And she sent me a couple pictures and I was so excited and I couldn't get over there fast enough. Well, let me tell you, it was a lot of work. Um, I think I ended up going to her house four different times. It took hours and hours and hours to go through all these clothes. Many of them were damaged, dirty, you know, just not anything that I wanted to buy. Um, She originally wanted me to buy the whole lot. And I had to explain to her that it's not financially feasible for me to do that. You know, wouldn't be behoove me to do that because there was so much that didn't fit our brand. First of all, because as a as a brand, I have to find things that I feel like are our brand curated. And that takes a lot of time. And also a lot of it was damaged and not sellable. I mean, there was stuff that was really dirty. I mean, you know, I I would leave there and my my, I, I was just gross, you know, because you're digging through all this stuff. I mean, granted, there was a lot of great stuff, but, but you know, you had to really spend time I mean, I think there was probably like 20 racks of clothes. I mean, there were some amazing pieces. But there was a lot of really not amazing pieces. So it really took a lot of time. Rita is the nicest lady. She was so patient with me and, you know, was really uh, excited to tell me stories about her aunt. And, you know, I really got to know her. So that is part of the job as a picker is to do all of that work. Now, it's not always glamorous. You know, our job is very far from glamorous. Um, You know, it's fun to have a, you know, like a, a... honey hole like that you might call it a honey hole but there's a lot of downsides to it because you know you're dealing with filthy gross stuff then you have to get home and if it if the person smoked um there's a whole level of how do you remove the smoke from the garments you know you have to soak them a lot of times i won't buy stuff if i smell cigarette smoke on it because People don't want to have a garment that's going to smell like nicotine. And nicotine is really hard to get out. So you want to avoid that kind of thing as a picker. So you there's a lot of like, you know, sometimes you'll buy something and on the way you'll break it. You get it home and you're like, it's broken. So there's, you know, yeah, I might get things at a good price. Sometimes I'll get it like super dirt cheap. And then, you know, I'll make a nice profit on it. Other times I'll buy something and I have to mark it down, it didn't sell, so then I don't make any money. So it's all kind of like this give and take. So I think when you go into a vintage store, keep that in mind. They've put a lot of time into finding it, sourcing it, and, you know, really thinking about they had to clean it or repair it if it needed any kind of repairs. There's a lot of people that are on like on TikTok and on, you know, Instagram, they're doing these flips. They buy a piece of furniture and then they flip it. So there's a lot of that. Um, And you can do that on your own too, but having someone who knows what they're doing, I don't know how to do that, and I don't want to do it. So, you know, having someone else do that for you is, is uh, uh, definitely a value. So there and then the merchandising and then the helping you find the thing or delivery. I mean, all of that is things that we we provide. So, you know, as we wrap up our last uh, last episode, you know, I, I'm, I thank you for listening. And uh, th- this um, next month's episode will launch on May 18th. Um, so please stay tuned for our third episode episode of Vintage Picking with Bad Madge. Thank you, David, for being with us. And hopefully you'll follow us, um, you know, mention. Uh, so if you want to follow us on the website, it's badmage.com, B-A-D-M-A-D-G-E dot com. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Or, you know, just come into the shop. We're located in South Park in San Diego, and we would love to hear you. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at badmadgepodcast at gmail.com. So thanks for discovering us, and hopefully you'll help us grow, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you guys so much. I'm glad to be back, and see you soon.